Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Other horn is Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, it looks like Alabama arrived in Knoxville ready to start the game. Finish? Eh, not so much. Yeah, man. Uh, Saban seemed to be somewhat calm in his post-game press conference and, you know, gave both teams credit for a big rivalry. But um, I was pretty excited at the start. And uh, definitely, um, as our buddy Joe would say, there's plenty of things to coach up for the uh, for the bye week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, we start out and we put 27 on them. Uh, it's almost the fallacy of expectation because you know I think Vegas called it a 14 point game. I think I think they nailed it. Uh, you and I and I meant to go back and listen to our predictions last week and and just didn't get a, get back to it. But uh, our predictions weren't too far off uh, from this type of. I think we probably had a little more for us and a little less for them, but I think we were in the neighborhood. But this game was almost the tale of two games: uh, one blowout and and one uh, sort of nail biter. You kind of average those together, and that's how you get thirty-four to twenty. You know, based on our expectations going in, we probably probably would have been okay with that score. Based on our expectations going into the second quarter, a little frustrating. It was, and um, I, I, you know, we'll 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 flip the field of defense here in a minute. But I was just really disappointed at, at how we handled, um, you know, letting them back in the game with their running quarterback. You know, he's a guy that that got his first playing time against us last year. He hasn't played all year, and um, he comes into the game and he, he gives a different dynamic. But he's not the first running quarterback we've played, and and they didn't do a pure zone read. I, I was really disappointed at, at at how they were able to to put some points on the board. Let's come back to that when we talk defense because I have, you know, probably not an answer, but maybe a little bit of a theory. But uh, let's let's start with offense. What did you see? Uh, you know, uh, Alabama started pretty hot on offense. First play from scrimmage, ADR touchdown. That's that's uh, pretty exciting. Certainly a, a tone setter of sorts there. You know, just a couple catches in. Amari is up to one fifty five. Couple of touchdowns. Ends up setting uh, uh, or breaking Julio's record for most yards in a game, and he's on the cusp 
of uh, and we kind of predicted this back in the preseason guide that if he uh, Amari has a big season, he can he can rewrite every record that we keep. And man, he's just on the cusp of doing that. I think uh, you know after the bye week against LSU, he's gonna he's gonna put his name at the top of a couple ledgers. What jumped out to you? I did not realize Chris John Jones was not going to play. Obviously, it was a you know it was a pregame warm up. They said he pulled a hammy, and so um, you know watching it on TV, I was surprised to see him over there. You know, dressed out, and you know didn't realize he wasn't going to play until they announced it. And so, you know, we we've been calling in our last podcast for let's get Chris John Jones involved in the offense, and so he doesn't have to take as many chances on special teams and. We said we'd love to see that play where you drag him behind the offensive line. So I thought it was kind of ironic that, you know, was that play called for him and he got hurt or was that play called for Amari? Because Amari says after the game that, you know, he knew that play was getting called. And that's a play that we've seen Chris John Jones be very effective at. So I loved the play call. I'm just wondering who it was, who it was truly meant for. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great question. I mean, we did run the end around with Amari, you know, again, very frustrating. And and I'll and I'll tell you this, and, and as I was watching it, I was just kind of dumbfounded. We lined up Amari in, in on the play before we ran the end around end around with Amari and, and lost yards. We lined him up as at the full at the tailback position in a power eye behind Jouston Fowler. And the concept there is all eyes are on Amari. What's he going to do lined up at the, at the running back position, at the tailback position? And what do we do? We give it on a fullback dive for a very key first down uh, opportunity. We give it, to, give it to Jouston. And so we just ran a play where the concept is everybody's watching Amari. Let's use him as a decoy. What do we do on the very next play? We run in and around Amari, like we're uh, with Amari, like we're like suddenly on the very next play, no one's going to be watching him. That was to me just those the contradiction of those two plays back to back. One is designed; the concept is everyone's watching him, so he's a decoy. The next play, it's an end around, as if we don't expect people to be watching him. I don't get that. No, I, I don't agree with calling that play um, subsequently right after the dive. I guess I was referring to the to the opening play of the game. Um, yeah, that yeah. that play that play that Amari went for eighty yards. That has been Chris John Jones' signature play for the past two years with AJ McCarron. We we have we have faked the run to the left. We have bled him behind, hid him behind the line of, behind the offensive lineman, and you know drug him behind them, and we have tossed the ball to him in the flats, and Amari ran the play. And so um, I love the play call, and I just wonder who it was for because uh, Chris John Jones didn't get hurt until the pregame warmups. So um, what, do, what did you think of that play call that we talked about a week ago wanting to see it, and then what did you think about Amari Cooper being the one to run it? Yeah, yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying. I, th- you know, I think it's a great play call. Uh, I, I think that uh, I don't know – that on the first play of the game, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that we would have gone to Chris John Jones. And that's not because I don't like Chris John Jones at all. I think it's it's you want to get your quarterback into a rhythm. And I mean, you know, it's it's no secret who the 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 lead receiver is, who his favorite target is. And so if you think in in sort of the the concept of let's get an easy completion, settle down the quarterback, we're on the road, you know, let's do those types of things. 
I think it's easy might be too strong of a word, but it's it's very reasonable, very logical to think that that play was going to Amari anyways. Well, it definitely could be. I just thought it was funny, you know, you know, based on how we had said, uh, had we had talked about it the week before. Um, I thought on that play, you know, huge, uh, great block by by Chris Black. I just love his unselfish play, and he he seems to be, you know, doing the little things. Now, did um, you see that Chris Black ran into that ran into the formation late? Yes, and I that did. Was because it would have been uh, Chris John Jones in the formation. Whether or not we would have gone the Jones, I don't know. But it and and I love the fact that you call him out for the block because I thought it was interesting that he was late running out on the field. The whole offense was just kind of nonplussed about him not being there. He lined up and then he threw a a, a key block on the play. I thought that was pretty impressive. That it's kind of like we've talked about in the past when an offensive lineman goes down, right? Yes. The other guy comes yes. in and knows exactly what he's supposed to do. He should almost get a mini game ball just for that play alone. Well, I mean, granted, we would have still won the game probably. Oh, yeah. But it definitely was a spark to this offense. You know, it was it was an injection in their arm, which they needed. When and it shut so, up the crowd real early, too. Yes, yes. And so I, mean, I just – a just, few minutes, just a minute into the game. Absolutely. And so I just I just thought that that was a um, – it was a great play call, built up his confidence. It's a play we called a week ago, and um, great execution by Amari. Um what else jumped out at you on the offensive side of the ball? I just can't believe that we're not using our tight ends anymore. There's only three players in this whole game that caught a pass. Uh, I know we targeted a couple more. Uh, Christian Jones on another uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, Chris Black on another play actually did drop a pass. Uh, but we went to uh, Amari. He had nine. DeAndrew had four. And, and TJ Yeldon you know, had one. But we only threw – to uh to three different receivers or I'm sorry we only had completions to three different receivers and for the life of me I don't I don't know what's up with uh our tight ends and us not working the ball to the tight ends I know Vogler's banged up he's been you know a, a high ankle sprain for the last couple of weeks and he kind of torqued his knee uh looks like a little bit uh you know we have thrown to the tight end but not nearly as as prolifically if that's a word than than either of us expected. I thought O.J. Howard by this point would be, you know, a household name. Well, we we kind of called it when Lane Kiffin showed up, right? I mean, we we said when Lane Kiffin got there, we said that this is what he does, or at least this is what he did at USC, right? Lane Kiffin has been known to key one wide receiver and give them a ton of opportunities. And so we kind of called at the beginning of the season – that everybody, you know, buckle your chin strap because Amari's going to have a lot of catches. And um, Saban, you know, Saban has been asked uh, a couple different times about the distribution. And uh, Chris Fowler on game day uh, on the, uh, you know, LSU campus, you know, he he even commented on it was something like four to one or five to one um, that the amount of uh, balls they 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 made it a point to talk about how many oppor- how many opportunities he's had and how many he's caught compared to the next wide receiver, and it was a ridiculous ratio. It is an incredibly ridiculous ratio, and I and I agree. You know, he uh, w- the expectation was that uh, Amari would receive catches at a sort of an elevated clip, but there was which also- he deserves. That's fine. Yeah, I don't debate that, right? But there was an expectation that, uh, you know, Kiffin also 
uh, leverages and utilizes his uh, his tight ends. And I am not seeing that. It's almost an afterthought, and it has become almost predictable. You know, I'll go back to the West Virginia game. You and I weren't sitting together at the game, but I said, oh, you know, it looks like, you know, about time to go to the tight end. We threw an interception. We've watched games where we bring in, you know, O.J. Howard, O.J. Howard, and you think, oh, okay, we're going to go to the tight end, and, and we force it. Uh, you know, down the seam uh, against uh, A&M, you predicted that in, as we were sitting in the stands. You know, said, ah, it feels about time to, to go uh, a tight end down the seam. And I actually said, no, we won't do that. We're just apparently not throwing to our tight ends. And, of course, that's what we, you know, that's uh, – and we're a little, a little late getting the ball up or that would have been a touchdown. But it's almost an afterthought, which makes it predictable. You know, we're not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. Oh yeah, it feels right. It feels about right, and uh, I find that a little frustrating. That he can be worked in, you know. Howard's not as dynamic as Amari, and I would never argue that. But when you when you average it or you think about it in the context of their position, um, Howard is as dynamic as you're going to get out of a tight end, which is comparable to the dynamic play that you get from Amari at wide receiver. Is that fair? Does that make sense? No, it is. And we, we talked in the pregame about the, the depth at wide receiver, and this is the most depth that we've had in quite a while. Yes. And, you know, we said a week ago, man, we, we said that, you know, Amari Cooper is the only one that catches that touchdown pass in the last game. And, you know, and – and we said that Blake Sims is willing to throw it up there um, a second earlier than he yes. is to Amari Cooper. And so I'm going to tell you, I think it's a couple things. Number one, he he's not able to um, he's not able to put the ball in a tight window. They know that. Um, he tried to do that against West Virginia. It got picked off. And so I think this is coach speak for. We got to build up the kid's confidence because he knows the playbook better than Jacob Coker does. We know Jacob Coker has a stronger arm, but we know he can't run this offense yet like we need it to be run in our minimized mistakes, right? And so when he almost threw a pick six in the game two weeks ago, I'm sure Nick Saban just winced and said, ah, because I think it's kind of like Russian roulette, okay? Blake Sims is trying. Blake Sims is getting better. Blake Sims is the best option he has right now, and he is going to put him in opportunities where he can be successful, and Blake Sims is going to skip. I'll put it this way. Armari Cooper is his first progression probably in most of the plays. He's not going to his second and third option if there's any chance in hell Armari Cooper is anywhere open. Done. So I don't go to my number two or three. Well, and that's okay, right? When your number one option is as good as uh, as as Amari, and he's as open as Amari is, I, I'm okay with not having to go to your second and third progression. I do think, though, that uh, the Blake's mobility in the pocket allows him the time to get to the second and third option, and and we're seeing more and more of that. You know, you can you can look at the film. Uh, you know, ESPN has done a couple of good breakouts where uh, his ability to move in the pocket is get, is allowing him the opportunity uh, to get to that second and third option. And there's some dynamic, uh, some dynamic play uh, or capability that we've not had at the position. 
are we seeing it every down? Are we seeing it every drive? No, we're not, but we're seeing it. Uh, it's, it's there. It's, it's manifest itself. Uh, it's manifesting itself more and more. And it, it becomes something more and more that opposing teams need to prepare for. I am oh, very, sure. ple- I am very pleased. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I am very pleased with some of what we're seeing, uh, from Blake. I'm very pleased with the progression that he's making to the extent, and look, I'm not suddenly mad at Jake or Jacob. I'm not mad at anybody. I just think that there's a part of me that very much wishes that Sims were only a redshirt sophomore or a junior and that he could come back next year and even build upon what he's doing this year. Well, here's what I'll hear. Th- this is a fun topic, right? So I want to spend a couple more minutes on this because this, this is why people listen to us sure, doing sure. the show is when Jacob Coker has been in the game, he has thrown the ball to our Darius Stewart and Chris Black and other guys like that, correct? Sure. And the reason why is because it goes to the guys he's practicing with. Well, when Nick Saban was asked about this just the other day, you know, his quote was, we need to get some other guys involved. And I think that'd be great. But as long as Cooper is getting open and as long as we're throwing him the ball, I don't think we should tell the quarterback, don't throw it to him. Sure. Well, Here's what I'll tell you. In the Texas A&M game, okay, I I wasn't as rah-rah about the 59 to nothing because the DBs were 10 yards off of Cooper sure, and I could have thrown the ball. I do not understand. I would like to put my resume in to be a defensive coordinator on one of the remaining teams on Alabama's schedule. Give me a chance to shut down Amari Cooper. Let me scheme to shut him down because, to your point, He has currently caught 71 balls. The next closest receiver has caught 23. Mm -hmm. And so Tennessee, they showed a stat in this game, David, that at, you know, after his fourth catch, Amari Cooper had 155 yards. Yep. And they showed a stat, David, that Tennessee was ranked number six in the country in pass defense, only given up 165 yards a game. Yep. So let's connect the dots. It's halfway through the first quarter. You're only giving up 160 yards a game in SEC football, and you've already given up one guy to catch 155 yards. And, oh, by the way, coming into your game, you saw on tape he had already caught 67 balls, right? And so and so then the commentator, so then Gary Danielson, or not Gary Danielson, um, whoever's doing the game was talking about how Tennessee's a man defense and yep. they've tried to do something that they're not used to doing and putting a safety over the top. Well, on two of his big plays, Chris Black is in the slot. And we don't know if, you know, if he was obviously doing what Chris John Jones should have been doing. But on two third and eight, third and eight and third and nine, two third and long plays in that first quarter. Amari Cooper is out wide to the right. Chris Black is in the slot. Chris Block just runs a post and takes his man to the sideline, David. Amari Cooper just waits a second for Chris Black to clear and just cuts right underneath him. Both plays, identical plays. He's wide open when he catches the ball and he goes another 15 yards. My, My point is, you're the number six defense in the country and you you can't scheme to shut one man down in the first quarter. Yeah, I don't understand that, right? Because it's not like 
uh, it's not kind of like what they did to us where they roll out something that we weren't expecting or we're unwrapping a new present here in front of them. Uh, you know, everybody knows Amari and everyone knows that we're going to try to work him the ball. And if you if you are at this point in the season, right, we're, we're you know, over halfway through the season, you know, three quarters of the way through the season, whatever it is. Their secondary is pretty good, right? I mean, to be ranked six in the country this right. far the season, they're pretty good. And so are they having to do something a little bit different? Eh, okay, that's fine. But you, you can't tell me that they don't have good cover corners, good safeties, good personnel to uh, to, to handle that. And it's it's almost like teams – it's almost like our running game is, is, is like the myth of our running game that people are going to stack the box – uh, to stop this running game that not always exists. And when they do that, they leave Amari open. I mean, y- you know, I'm going to submit a resume, I guess, with you with with some of these uh, other teams. I mean, I would go at least a nickel, and I'm putting two guys bracketed on uh, Amari everywhere he goes in the field. And and then I'll, you know, I'll I'll use my my, my remaining guys to, to stop the rest of the defense because or the rest of your offense because frankly I'm not worried about the rest of our receivers. And I'm saying this as a defensive coordinator. And again, it's not because I don't like any of them. It's just I don't think we're gonna throw to them. Man, to your point, okay, if I'm the coach and I see your senior wide receiver number twenty two <laughs> is not suited up, his helmet is not in his hands, right? And DeAndre White is your second leading receiver coming into the game, and he's been banged up, right? Mm-hmm. And you've already thrown the ball 67 times to number nine? Dude, I'm with you. Go dime. Go dime and yeah. put one of your safeties in the box next to the linebacker. So now you got six guys in the box to block. The, you, you got six guys in the box for the run, okay? And, and, and I'd be putting six DBs in the game because I'd say, guess what? Alabama's not a four or five wide team. They're not pitching the ball around like West Virginia did to us. Right. And so I'm not taking anything away from Amari Cooper, but on his 45-yard touchdown pass on the left side, the DB six yards off of him. He doesn't even chuck him at the line of scrimmage. He just runs by him. And and Blake makes a, a nice throw, but it's like they're doing seven-on-seven seven skeleton drills. I mean, dude – we're good, but we're not as good as they're making us look. I'll you know, just say I'll, it that way. Well, and I, I'll <laughs> say this. Amari's pretty gifted. Uh, Amari is, is pretty darn gifted. And and I, there are some, I think, some subtle moves that he's making to throw off some of these corners. Uh, Tennessee's got some talent. Uh, the Hargroves kid or Hargraves kid from, from Florida, uh, you know, obviously made him look uh, pretty bad when they were in coverage. Uh, you know, together we were able to actually rotate away from him, which I thought was interesting. They didn't, they didn't follow Amari all, all over the field, but uh, you know, he 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 has some giftedness to him uh, as well. I I don't sure. want to give that. I don't want to say that sure. everything. You know, morons running their defense. Uh, you know, for a little bit. Uh, you know, pitching and catching with Amari can make anyone look like a genius. I, I'll definitely say that. But I I just want to go back and I want to say this again. And you can either spend a minute with this or not, but. Uh, I'll say again, I wish that uh, that Blake Sims had another year coming back because I would rather go in and look. It's a whole other season, and, and we'll be hyped up for it as well. But uh, I would feel more – I would feel better entering fall camp knowing I've got uh, Blake building upon this season, a second-year starter, than going into next season knowing 
that we're breaking in a brand new starter. And we're going to have some of this learning curve again. Um, you know, I think we got spoiled with uh, McElroy and then uh, and AJ, sure, and, and AJ, right? Where Two, we were, we were a long, yeah. we were a long span between breaking in a new quarterback. And heck, you can even go uh, with, um, with uh, John Parker, Jay, John yeah. Parker, ahead of that. We had quite a number of years where we only broke in three quarterbacks. You know, now we're going to break in one, and we're going to break in another one next year. Uh, I, I'd rather have Sims back. Oh no, I I understand, and 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 having you know having two three year starters back to back you know helps, and 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 my comments wasn't taking anything away from Amari Cooper, and and I think Blake I Sims has played better at this point than I would have expected him to play. I'm just I'm just with you. I, I would double cover Amari. I'm sorry, they 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 didn't double cover in this game. They had a safety over the top, but the safety is over the top of two wide receivers. I would have said two guys are going to cover Amari Cooper, period. UDB cover the short to intermediate. You take the long stuff. I got another safety in the middle helping out in my dime, and I'm going to say to the quarterback, hey, you've only thrown the ball to these other guys about 30 times combined. Right. These guys are going to beat me. He's not. He will not right. catch a ball tonight. Right. Or if he does, it's for five yards. Yep. Yep. And I think we're going to see that from 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 LSU. I think LSU is not going to let Amari Cooper beat us or beat them. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I think that uh, you know we're we're going to see uh, we're we're going to see some attempts at that. And you know, there's a lot of teams that have tried to do that. Uh, you know, just uh, Tennessee. I I don't know. I you know to put that many yards up, two twenty four is is pretty stinking amazing. But, no, uh, it is. It is. I'll, I'll tell you one other thing real quick is while I'm happy that we are having success, I also am concerned that this over this over reliance on Amari is is hurting us. And this is not what you want to do to a great depth of wide receivers to get them all upset because they're not getting any balls. Right. I just I. I, I hope that we can get this distribution more in line before the season's over because you got a lot of number one and two wide receivers in the nation coming to Alabama, which you and I both know never happened. And I don't want them to stop coming because we're now labeled as somebody that just gets the ball to one guy. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, we have no trouble getting uh, talented running backs because we run so many of them. Uh, at wide receiver, you could you could make the case that you know we're putting a receiver at the top of everyone's you know, sort of all America list, a potential Heisman candidate, and uh, of course that's going to help lower recruits. Yeah, but we've got a roster full of talented receivers that can't see a ball, and uh, you know recruits see that as well. Uh, you'd rather see a distributed ball, a bunch of guys getting fifty or sixty catches, you know, fifty maybe, than you know, one guy getting such a such a disproportionate. And I get the Uber talent that, that Cooper has and I'm not mad at him. And and look, you know, go with what works. And as long as you're gonna let me continue to pitch and catch with maybe one of the better receivers in the country, then I'm gonna do that. I get that. It's easy to kind of sit back where we are and say, gosh, you still got to spread it around a little bit. And there's no reason in the world that we can't do it. And we've talked about this. Um, you know, when they're healthy uh, take a Chris John, take a, take a DeAndre, take a Chris Black, take a Ardarius, take some of these guys and, and, and say, you know, 
absolutely, we're going to, you know, we've got, you know, three to four design plays that we're going to go with, you know, go to you, you know, during, during the game. And you can't do that with everyone because, you know, three times four is 12 and then you're going to get, you know, eight to Amari is, 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 is 20 and you want to run the ball, you know, a couple of times you kind of hamstring yourself if, if you have sort of a forced distribution, but you can go in with the idea of saying, I'm going to run some plays from each of these buckets and uh, and that I am going to try to distribute the ball a little more. I think that we could be more intentional in that area. No, I, I agree. And, and and the other reason I'm making this point, too, is I was looking forward to see how we would handle this against the number six ranked pass defense because I don't want us to get into the playoffs, right, and a team do it to us then. <laughs> I want it to happen now, right? I don't want it to be in the semifinals or the national championship game and they shut down Amari for the first time and we're yep. sitting there saying, well, what do we do now? Right. He's We've covered. We've never seen this. <laughs> He's covered. Yep. Really? It's called football. I just, I, I just, I, I, I want to see it now. Sorry. I'm with you. I'm just, I'm just with impatient. You. Anything else on offense? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I think probably a couple of things. Uh, we came out like gangbusters. I had sort of a quiet spell in the game. But, um, you know, overall, uh, there's a lot of diamonds in, in, in the, even in that rough spell. I mean, we were 11 of 15 on third down when, when they came and, and made it, you know, 17 to, to 27, they made it, you know, a two score game. Uh, we really, as a team sort of stood up, uh, planted our foot and, uh, you know, put together a 13 play drive, 76 yards, uh, you know, Derrick Henry's 28, uh, yard touchdown, burn some time off the clock. Blake Sims had two amazing, well, okay, maybe one was amazing and one was was really, really nice. First down runs uh, on third down to continue to move the chains. When we had to score, we did. Uh, and so that's something that uh, that we can think about. Uh, let me pause you. Let me pause you for a quick second there, because I, I wanna I wanna stick with what you just said there, because this was one of the other things that I wanted to, to talk about. I would say, while I don't think we were gonna lose the game, sure. That run on third and nine that you're talking about, yes, I think was the turning point in the game. Yes, yes. And so play of the ga- I, I think play of the game, play, play of, the game of the game by far. And so on that third and nine at the at our forty eight, when everybody watched the game, when he sat there and there was nothing there, and he was he was out there in the flats like we've been rolling him out, and he took off and put it into that second gear. And he still had three yards, and he was like, I'm stuck. And so he sat there and sacrificed his body, and he could have easily separated a shoulder. He sacrificed his body, and he was he was landing on his non-throwing shoulder, and then he flipped that arm out there. He could have easily separated a shoulder sure. with that play. And, and he said, I need to get this for the team. And that's why I want to be clear that he's the right guy for the job right now. Yep. Because that is why they got that touchdown to make it thirty-four to seventeen. Yes, yes, completely what was, agree. What was your other point? Well, it, it and, and it's it's a continue, you know, and and I'm glad that we kind of underscored and emphasized that. But uh, you know, when we absolutely needed to score, uh, you know, to, to to separate the margin, you know, if it's a if it's a a ten point game and we turn the ball back over to them and you know they get a touchdown, it starts to get real. That starts to get a little bit scary. And so when we needed to to outpace them. We needed to spread the margin. Uh, we put together 
uh, after a couple of punts. We put together a 13-play drive, 76 yards, a couple of key plays there uh, by Blake Sims. And we had a chance to put another touchdown on the board. Uh, Fowler fumbled, uh, going in, literally going into the end zone. But that was at the end of, a, of an 11-play, 78-yard drive. And so we had two sort of command performances right there, you know, and I would love to see a touchdown tacket, you know, up over 40, uh, you know, 41 to 20 starts to look a lot better. But uh, I just want to kind of hats off to the leadership on uh, the offense uh, that they were able to sort of rise up in that moment uh, two times. You know, one we fumbled, uh, the other time we scored the touchdown. But that's two scoring drives that uh, that we could have had. And in sort of an extension of that, uh, I want to give a tip of the tip of the cap to the offensive line. There was a little bit of shuffling there. I want to get your perspective on that. But uh, a little bit of shuffling there when uh, 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 Cameron Robinson went down. What do you think about moving uh, Leon Brown uh, over to the tackle spot and bringing in Bradley Bozeman to backfill at the at the guard? I was very surprised. I, I did not. I did not think that Leon Brown. Leon Brown has not been running. Uh, second string at, at left tackle, and so Grant Hill has. Yep. And so I was surprised. I, I thought for sure we would see Grant Hill yes. in that situation. Yep. Um, Grant Hill got some run there last year. Um, you know, it's a position that requires some athleticism, right? I mean, you're you're guarding the blind spot, and so um, I think Leon Brown was put in a very difficult situation. Granted, not the defensive end that Arkansas had, but um, when he when I when I saw the move, I was like, "Whoa, okay." Yes. And and then he he played the position like a guard. He did. He did. Um, but he was recruited to come to Alabama to be our savior at left tackle. So I thought it was kind of interesting that you know he comes in with the press out of JUCO to be a tackle. He's found a home at guard, and then in a pressure situation, that's who comes off. You know that that's who we slide out there. Yeah, that's the rotation. So there was really, you know, and, and you emphasize one. I don't disagree with anything there. I thought it was almost fitting that he got a chance to to really perform there over the freshman phenom that's come in and taken over the position, a position by the way that was going to be his because he was the JUCO phenom, right? And so right. there's a little bit of sort of hand and glove. Uh, that's kind of a neat storyboard. But, uh, you know, the other side of that sort of double uh, double shift is bringing Bozeman in to play guard. Uh, yes. You know, Leon and, and Shank have been uh, back and forth at that guard position. Dominic Jackson has been spending time at the guard position. And uh, everyone get out of the way. Bradley Bozeman uh, is going to come in. And I don't think if if this were to have happened three weeks ago before Bozeman came in and spent two, year, uh, two, uh, two weeks at, at center – I don't think the same shift happens. Uh, I think it's it's pretty impressive, and and so uh, you know, hats off to uh, to Bozeman for really stepping in, seizing his opportunity at guard or at center, and then when the starting center comes back, he's still right there, ready, demonstrated his ability last week, you know, ready to come in and play at the guard position. Well, three weeks ago, we wouldn't have seen that. We would not have seen that, and. Saban was asked two weeks ago about some of this offensive line play. And the two backups that he pointed out was Bradley Bozeman and Grand Hill. Yeah. He did not talk about any other backups. Right. And I don't have the quote, 
but it basically said anybody's number can be called at any time. And these guys have come in and been able to do what they were able to do because of their work and practice. Yep. And I'm going to read between the lines and tell you that Bradley Bozeman and Grant Hill have been working harder at practice, even knowing they're not a starter than some of the other guys have. I think that's fair. Uh, I absolutely think that's, that's fair. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's hard to read that any other way. And I, and I think that's, that's appropriate. I, you know, I'm excited about, and, and we talked about this in the earlier part of the season, those that have been listening, uh, is the depth of along the offensive line. We've been talking about, you know, we have a legitimate two deep. We legitimately have, you know, six and seven and eight starter quality guys. And we're starting to see that, right? Because almost everyone on the offensive line has had some downtime, has had some out time uh, this this season. Except for Ari. Well, <laughs> I guess except for Ari, but uh, but you know he's certainly missed all. Which I get, I guess I get the joke there, right? Um, I, you know that I guess that is our irony there because I think. Uh, and I like the guy. And he's, no, he's, too, he, he's, he's the most fragile guessed. of the bunch. Yes. He's the most yes. fragile of the bunch, and he's the and only he's one that has the consistent one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so that's yeah, I, that's kind of interesting. But he has missed time in practice. Uh, and so you know, in that an ironic silver lining is his his inability to practice because of injury. He's still playing the games, but not able to practice. That that has helped develop this yes. depth that has sustained us during these injuries. Because, Tommy, we've had seasons where we've had, you know, you and me may as well be the sixth lineman because if we have someone go down out of our top five, we're sunk. And yes. uh, what was the I, what was the ball game when J.B. Klosner had to go, was the center and went out and someone else had – and it just – it I mean, the whole offensive line – just crumpled like a wadded up sheet of paper uh, because, you know, we had lost our foundation at the, at the, at the center. Well, now we're talking about, we have played seven and eight guys in sort of starter roles, first team roles. Um, This is the kind of depth across the offensive line that, you know, I've not seen, you know, sort of, sort of first sight, you know, we've not had this in 20 years. Oh, sure. And this is, and this is only going to help Alfonso Taylor. And this is only going to help, uh, Dominic Jackson. This is only going to help, you know, these guys in, in practice and, and, you know, this, this is open competition, right? I mean, the way I see it right now is we've got some open competitions. It's kind of like the, there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of gap between the number ones and the number twos at some of these positions. And, um, so a guy like Alfonso Taylor is like, okay, here comes the bye week I'm ready to win me a job. Yep. And uh, I love that because that's 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 what we need. And um, but but kudos to Bozeman to uh, apparently being putting putting the necessary effort in practice. Yeah. Um, to be that guy. And when he came in once again, um, you know I I you know I rewound several times and and had to keep an eye on him and Leon Brown at that point because you can't miss Leon. That Leon had gone to left tackle. Yep. And um, I, I thought they both played pretty well considering sure once again sign me up for defensive coordinator i know leon brown has been guard if i was tennessee when he went to tackle 
I would have been blitzing a cornerback off the edge. I would have been blitzing a linebacker around the defensive end. I would have been flooding outside of him and said, <laughs> okay, guard, I'm going to make you stop it, and I'm going to do it three times in a row. Yep. And they did not do that. No, I'm with you. I, I, I definitely agree uh, with that. Um, let me put my uh, uh, tinfoil hat on uh, for a minute and uh, just throw a, a conspiracy idea at you. Huh. Cam Robinson goes out with a high ankle sprain. That seems to happen a lot against the Volunteers, huh? You know, I, 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 it does, um, and so that that's fair. Uh, that that that's a fair comment from from the years that we have seen this going back to uh, Sean Alexander. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, in this play, when it happened, I had to go back and watch it several times, and an energetic Cam was just trying to go help and push the pile. I truly I think it was an accident, but it really frustrates me because I, I, you want to say, Cam, just don't even be in there, right? Just, just don't, because that, that's when things happen, when legs get tangled up and, and, and there was no benefit, right? Nothing got accomplished from him going over there and trying to push the pile. And so when I saw it, it was very frustrating because, yeah. Yeah. because now you probably will not see him against Mississippi state. So your experiment that we just spent five minutes talking about, you know, Thank goodness for a bye week. Yes. Thank, thank goodness bye week's here. Yep. Oh, I'm so glad. And, you know, and you know Cam Robinson's going to want to play against LSU. Yes. Uh, you know, being from Louisiana. And so he's going to, he's going to you know, roll rehab roll, right, because he's going to want to get out there and, and participate in that game. And and I hope he's back to uh, a condition uh, that he we can. Need we need him for the stretch run, though. I, oh, you know, question. It, well, hey, real quick on that, on that fumble that Justin Fowler made, I, I did find it interesting that – you know, because we 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 call it fair here, real quick. On the uh, on the first of all, I find it interesting that the that the uh, series before is when Blake had his fumble, okay, yep. that allowed the garbage field goal. Yep. Um, and I say Blake's fumble. Derrick Henry, that looked like that was on Derrick. Derrick Henry hard. did not even look for the ball. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell with the and that's sort of the the that's a risk of the zone read. Is the quarterback's putting it in there, and uh, and and sometimes maybe you don't page. know. Yep. Is, you know, as a running back, you don't know if he's going to keep it or not. Uh, you know, because he's key. You're looking his your key, and he's looking at his key. It's hard to know. You know, and unless you know there was a report that that came out that that I missed. It's no, it's no, gonna no. Be hard to know. I'm like, glad you who, said it that way. That's the disadvantage of the zone read. Yeah. Yes. So well, I I found it interesting after that series. That on that next series that Fowler fumbled, you know, Saban came out there and said, okay, we got nine minutes left in the game. It's time to take the air out of the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I found it interesting that the very first play, he throws to Amari Cooper and then he shuts it down. Yep. And then they had 10 runs in a row. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just, you know, just, I just thought that was interesting that, that it was the Derrick Henry show play after play after play after play after play. Yep. Yep. Well, give me your uh, give me your mini game ball on offense. You know, I, I want to give it to Chris Black, but I think um, it's more critical to to give it to Bozeman and Leon Brown. Okay, but for the reasons we talked about, not to not to bore the listeners with the same spill again, but but we we would have fallen apart and given up five or six sacks to our quarterback in years past with that kind of shuffling in a ball game. Yes. Yep. I you know I had marked Leon Brown. 
is uh, is my main game ball. I was kind of hoping you were going to pick one and I was going to take the other. But, uh, yeah, I think we're both uh, sort of conceptually we're doing that. Uh, I think, the you know, kind of hats off to those guys because, you know, that was one player go- going down that caused us to make two two position changes on, on the offensive line. And then the line as a whole kind of adapted. Uh, we didn't see a drop-off in communication. Um, you know, these two long drives uh, in, you know, late in the game, 76-yarder and a 78-yarder, uh, unfortunately, one ended in a fumble, but uh, you know that's a lot of yardage, and that with was shuffling. With, that was with yes. the shuffled line. So um, that is impressive. Uh, you know, the Tennessee fans were rowdy at that point, so it wasn't you know late in a blowout. Uh, they were rowdy. Uh, they were supporting their defense. You know that bodes well to the depth that we're developing, not just for this season but beyond. But the way they were able to perform together. That speaks. Uh, that speaks, and, and and I'm emphasizing it, and you know why I am because because you agree, and maybe the casual fan didn't even know that there was, um, you know, different guys and and on the lineup, and sort of all the linemen are kind of the same. No, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. The fact that they both were able to go in in that type of environment. Uh, that there was no uh, miscommunication across the offensive line, and they continued to acquit themselves very well. Uh, two long drives, one ended his scoring, one should have. That's a big deal. Uh, and so I don't want to make it bigger than it is, but I don't want it to be paved over either. And so I think we've given it the appropriate attention, so I'll move on. But uh, uh, glad to see that, and that's something that we can build upon. Shift, uh, you know, Flip the fill over to defense. Talk to me about something on defense that stood out to you. Reggie Raglan, Reggie Raglan. There's nothing else I need to say, man. Dude was even dude was even talked about a Butkus semifinalist today. Are you kidding me? No, just, he made, I, no, you're right. He made the finalist list. And dude, Tommy, I, no, dude, I'm a, I, go ahead. No, I was gonna say let's underscore that. The finalist list came out. This is not a watch list where you know you and I can make a watch list. This is the finalist list. This is down to 15 linebackers across the country. That's a big deal, too. It is a big deal. And, you know, I, I'm just so happy for the kid because, you know, he's he's seizing his moment. We've said that, you know, we said in the preseason that we needed some linebackers to step up and to try to fill one of the three hats that C.J. Mosley was wearing. Okay. Is he wearing them all? No. No. Um, is he trying to put all three of them on as best he can, even though some hats are too small? Yes, he is. Okay. And so he, he knocked the ball away from the tight end on a pass play where he was beat. But you know what? It was an incomplete pass. Okay. He rocked some guys behind the line of scrimmage with that 250 pounds of, of force. And then he put his helmet on the football when he calls that play. Yes. And it blows my mind with the talent we have on defense that we can't create turnovers. As much as we're practicing this in practice, and you've talked about this on shows past, I, I'm just so happy for the kid. The kid is the kid is becoming a playmaker. Yeah, I, we're gonna have to start the Ragland report or something because this dude, I mean, he is something else. Uh, you know, nine tackles and that fumble, and I love you know Brock Heward called him you know 250 pounds of violence. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That's about right. I mean, but that's the yeah. way you teach tackling, right? Yes. How often are we talking about these DBs who are tackling like like girls? I'm sorry, right. they're tackling like little girls, and they're sitting there and bumping their shoulders, and they're they're doing the celebration thing after a big play, just calling it a tackle. And 
you know, he went in there and tackled the way you're taught and put his helmet on the football. And that was a situation where they were gaining a little bit of momentum and, and they were having success with that stupid running quarterback. And, and for a few minutes, he put that little running quarterback in his place. And I just thought it was awesome. No, that was awesome. Hey, did you notice on, uh, you know, that fumble play, we get the ball. Did you know there was a flag on that play, uh, unnecessary roughness, uh, you know, at, at the, at the end of the play, I don't know if you went back and looked at it, but it was on, uh, I, I had to, they call it on Jaron Reed. And I was like, well, what the heck did Jaron do? I didn't see anything. And, and, and they didn't show anything on the replay. So I went back and, and, and sort of, he absolutely you know, did something he shouldn't have done. Well, I, I'm going to laugh about what he did though. You know, and so I watched him through that play. And so the, uh, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson steps out of bound, plays over, and and he takes just one last shove at the back of an offensive lineman. And uh, and my thought, and I, just, I laughed. I was watching the game by myself, and I laughed out loud. I was like, yep, he got a lick in on one of those offensive linemen that's probably been holding him inside all day. And he said, take that, sucker. Uh, I'm sure you're right. Um, I wish I would have been in in uh, Neyland Stadium so I could have put my binoculars on Saban because I'm sure Saban gave him an earful because it was well after the play. He did it behind the guy's back. While I'm sure it was a payback, that's not Alabama football. And um, thank goodness that did not cost us any more than it did. One hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. I mean, you know, I've, you know, I kind of rationalized it in the moment, and I said, you know what, they had the ball. Now we've got it. I don't care where you line it up on the field. We've got it, and you don't. So, in in terms of a cheap penalty, was it? Yeah, he shouldn't have done that. But in terms of a penalty that really didn't have an that much of an impact on a turnover like that, it's kind of the right time to do it if you're gonna if if you're gonna do it. And I'm not advocating that you should do it. No, no, no. I'm with you. I, I would have liked to have seen uh, how quickly Saban greeted him coming off the uh, off the sideline. Yes. Hey, um, what else? What else jumped out at you on defense? Well, I have to give hats off to to their quarterback. Uh, it's kind of the buried lead, I guess, on this side of the ball. But uh, you know, Josh Dobbs wasn't going to play. Uh, it, hasn't you know, played all year. Well, hasn't played all year. Was going to be redshirted. Uh, that was that was the intent of the Tennessee staff. Um, you know, it's easy to say, it's, and I think it's pretty clear to see that he was their third string uh, quarterback. And there's a part of me, and and you'll disagree with me a little bit here, and that's fine. But there's a part of me that said, I bet you we had zero expectation that we were going to see the running quarterback. We prepared to see Worley because we thought that, you know, probably that he was still going to play because it was sort of a game time thing that it was officially announced that he wasn't going to play. And we thought we'd see Peterman and we knew what we had in those guys. We didn't have any mobility uh, at the quarterback and just how we talk about roster management, we can sort of look at uh, another team and sort of predict kind of forecast, not we, but our coaches who are you know more intimately familiar and tracking the roster than than we are, and say, oh, absolutely, they're going to try to redshirt this guy. And at this point in this season, they're not going to sort of lose or burn a year of his eligibility. We're probably not going to see him. And so we didn't prepare for a running quarterback. And so we saw an offensive style of play that we were absolutely not prepared for. Doesn't mean we couldn't have adjusted better. I think we should have. But uh, I think they came out 
put him out there. And uh, I just think it was something we weren't that prepared for. I'm sure it's something we were not prepared for, but I will quickly disagree with you when I will say that we are the coaching staff that burned a red shirt on D liner that we talked about last week and he didn't see the field the rest of the season. And so we have the ability to burn red shirts that make no sense, just like all coaches do. And so the fact that he played against us last year and had some success running the ball against us, the fact that Warley hurt his shoulder last year, the fact that he had already been sacked 30 times this year, that it's a shoulder possible thing right now. I'm sorry. The coaches should have prepared for Dobbs. Am I the coaches? No. Am I as smart as they are? No. But I'm sorry. They should have read the tea leaves, and they should have prepared for Dobbs. I think I think that some of that's easy to see in hindsight. Uh, I think that with the limited number of hours of, of practice and preparation that they get, I think they rolled their dice on – we're going to see Worley. We're going to see Peterman. They're going to redshirt. It's easier to project smarter decisions on other people, uh, even when sometimes our coaching staff makes decisions that, that we question. It's easier to project the smarter decision uh, maybe on, on the other group. Now, it turns out playing, playing Dobbs was a smart decision because, you know, you know, he came. I don't always say the game was in jeopardy necessarily, but, you know, he gave them signs of life. Uh, they put 20 points on the board that they would not have put up if he, if he were not playing. Uh, he had a, he had a lot of offense that they would not have seen uh, had he not come out on the field. So oh sure, but but playing him was not a bad decision. But I I just think that you know and here's here's look I'm gonna draw back from my my personal experience. When I was a senior in high school, our team sucked. We were one and nine that season. We were horrible. We were awful. The one game that we won was after a bye and we completely, completely reinstalled a brand new offense. And so we had been running some sort of pro set, something who the hell knows veer. We were running a veer offense and we shifted to a wing T. And so the poor team and they weren't that good either that we played coming off the bye. That was our one win because Man, they could study film up one side and down the other, and they had no clue what we were going to do because, hell, we had just installed a brand-new offense. Nobody knew. And, uh, and so it's in, – in my, in my mind, uh, and maybe I'm just wanting to make a historical experience for me relevant, but to me, I see a parallel there that it was – this kid has a style of play that has not been sort of fully put on tape and – we just weren't prepared for him to come in and play like that. I mean, the kid played – forget the forget just the raw athleticism he had. Dude came out and played with a lot of moxie because here he's lining up against Alabama, you know, down, you know, a couple of scores, and I haven't played a snap all season. I mean, you know, you're going to get a lot of sophomores wetting their pants in that situation. He not only dis- demonstrated his athleticism, but certainly some moxie in this situation. Sure he did, man, but I'm sorry. I'm not letting our coaches off the hook. These guys are working 20-hour days, and, and, and we've heard the hours they keep during the season. Okay, They sleep at the facility. Do we struggle with quarterbacks that sit in the pocket like a statue? No. We struggle against running quarterbacks. Who do we always struggle against? Running quarterbacks. 
And so they should have prepared for Dobbs, period. They shouldn't have had to do a lot to prepare for Peterman. Sure. Okay. What what if what if Worley plays? Okay. All right. We got tape on Worley. Oh, let's look at five minutes on Peterman. Next, let's look at Dobbs. Yep. The fact that they were not prepared for Dobbs is a is is a is is bad job on their part. Plain yeah. and simple. Well, at the end of the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast my ballot in in the direction that you're going because you know, when you consider the balance of our uh, you know, of our, of our schedule, our body of work, man, who do we struggle against? No, I understand. Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the long way around to where you are, but yeah, well, who do we struggle with and who do we have left on our schedule? We've got Dak Prescott, uh, Dak Prescott on our schedule and we've got Nick Marshall and who the hell knows who LSU is going to roll out there. But you know, we've got uh, a couple of, uh, mobile quarterbacks that have the chance to, to beat us, uh, and so, yeah, we should always have uh, a couple of periods of practice against a, a mobile quarterback because we need a lot of rep against that. And um, and 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 maybe had we done that, and and who's to say we're not doing it? But gosh, we should have. We could have manifest that a little bit better on the field Saturday. Well, I wonder if it speaks to two things because I will tell you, I felt better about how we were going to match up against Mississippi State until I saw this. Yeah, because Dobbs is no Prescott. Prescott no. is Tim Tebow Jr. Yes. And the fact that Dobbs was able to rush 19 times for 100 yards concerns me because that makes me wonder if the big physical linebackers we have in the middle, right, do not have the speed to get to that running quarterback. I don't think Prescott's as fast as Dobbs. He's he's a bigger guy. He's He's, he's a lot heavier. Uh, he's going to have a, a little bit of a different running style, but I'll say this, uh, and 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 I, I would attribute it if I could remember where I read this. But uh, you know, if if we go on and have success uh, against Mississippi State and uh, and 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 Nick Marshall at Auburn, uh, we probably need to give a little bit of thanks to to Josh Dobbs for uh, uh, exposing us. Uh, reminding us that we have a weakness there. And, right before uh, the bye week. Thank right you, Right before the bye, so uh, so we can double down on that. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I also thought it was interesting on, on defense that um, uh, Dylan Lee got a little run. Dylan Lee came in in the, in the second half and, and and played one of the linebacker, outside linebacker positions. <clears throat> Excuse me, and... Um, there was one play that I'm sure you saw on TV where they were they were running to his side uh, on the edge. Yep, he was being blocked by the tight end who was bigger than he was. He held the outside shoulder free like he was supposed to do. Tackled the guy out of bounds. Lance Thompson runs over to him like good job, kid. And um, for the limited snaps that he had, he got two tackles on the day. And um, we're going to need his contribution sometime between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I think we're going to see more and more and more of him as as the the game goes on. I I want to talk about, and this is this would almost if if we did a Tennessee podcast, this would almost be uh, more Tennessee offense than it is our defense. But uh, I I want to talk about their uh, freshman tight end Ethan Wolf. And why we did not recruit Ethan Wolf on name alone, that is an awesome name for a tight end. Why we didn't recruit him on that alone, I don't know. But he had 10 catches, uh, a touchdown. It reminded me It reminded me of the day that uh, uh, Jason Witten, as a freshman, you know, wore us out all up and down the field. 
But there was one play, uh, and 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 I'm going to flip this almost back to talking about our offense and talking about our tight end coach and uh, almost our MIA, uh, MIA tight ends and kind of what's going on here. But this, when you consider that he is a freshman tight end, and on one of one of his receptions, he lined up, uh, you know, kind of lined up at the tight end a little bit off, a little bit off the line. And uh, Jarek Williams was was in coverage, and so he came off the line, ran right at Jarek Williams, kind of broke down like he was going to block him. And so, what does Jarek do? Jarek says, "Well, I don't want to be blocked because they're running this way." And so he runs away from the tight end, and the tight end who's breaking down, acting like he's going to block Jarek, then releases and catches a nice, you know, eight or nine yard pass. And I'm thinking, man, that is NFL savvy. That is a senior savvy play to 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 do that. And so <laughs> you tell me which of these two teams is coaching their tight ends because that was pretty stinking amazing. That was pretty impressive right there. Well, I, I'm surprised that they did not go after because, you know, he finished with one catch on the day, but he he had the drop that 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 he beat Reggie Raglan on, you know, are you talking I, about I, Ethan? I'm I'm talking about Ethan. Yes. No, he had I, ten catches. Okay, I I I might just be looking at a, at a different number there than than you're looking at. Um, I I was showing one catch on the day for ten yards, but um, but I will I will tell you that that I think that I, I think that he exposed a, a, a weakness that we continue to have at the linebacker position, and I'm surprised that we are not figuring out a way to compensate for it. Because it is it is definitely something that teams going forward are going to continue doing against us. No, and and no, and I, you're right. I I misread that that stat line, but but I but the catch that he made, and so it was a ten yard uh, a ten yard reception, was that where he just he just broke down like he was going to block Jarek, and then released and caught uh, you know caught the pass for ten yards. And and look, he was going against the the safety, and it's just the scheme that we had on. Because uh, he was going out towards the flat and not attacking the deep middle over the linebacker, and I agree with you there. We should we should still, you know, we want to be a defensive coordinators that are playing against us. Well, if I'm an offensive coordinator playing against us, I'm attacking our linebackers in, in coverage, and that I don't disagree with that. I just think, and so his day was less impressive than I thought, but I am still no less impressed. I don't know who the hell stats I was looking at when I came up with that, but I am no less impressed with uh that play that he made against Jarek. Um that's just savvy to uh you know this guy can cover me one on one unless he thinks he doesn't need to cover me, then I'm gonna be open. That's just no. impressive. And you know what? That's coaching. That is you coach a player to do that. Sure. And so I still go back and ask the question, who's coaching tight ends? Because we can't even find our tight ends with a map. No, no, that's true. No, that's true. Hey I wanted to a um, couple of things very quickly. Uh, Cyrus Jones on his pass pass interference, it was a good call. Uh, Saban's been, you know, Saban's been quoted that we teach these guys to turn and play on the ball. I know you love your Cyrus. He continues to not turn to the ball. It drives me crazy. He could be called more than he's being called, mm. and um, he he definitely. Uh, was guilty of an obvious pass interference on that I didn't, play. No, I, I didn't think that was nearly as egregious as, as you're making it sound. I, that would have been a that would have been a very good no call. 
uh, more damaging and not turning to the ball was Tony Brown. That touchdown could have very easily been broken up had he just turned to the ball. Because uh, none of our DBs turn to the ball, man. None of them do. Well, when do they ever turn to the ball? When they don't, the the current the current DBs that are out there do not turn to the ball. They I, do not. I, I would not make such a blanket statement, but uh, you know, I would uh, I would definitely say that uh, Tony did not, and he could have broken up that pass. And I don't think the pass interference on Cyrus was was uh, was that bad. I think he's the. I don't get, beneficiary is the wrong word, but he's the victim of some of the worst uh, the worst calls I've seen in the secondary this season. They seem to all go against him. Uh, there's some that would have been you know good no calls. I think this would have been a good no call, but uh, they seem to all be going against him. And you know, I still do like my Cyrus. I, I think he's. I still think you know. Hey, he picked off a ball, so he saw that one coming. But uh, I think um, I think he has played very very well. At the at the corner position, I mean, I don't think you can say very very well. See, I don't think you can say very twice, but we can we can agree to disagree on that. Hey hey, what did you think of Jarrett Williams? Uh, I know Jarrett Williams is still coming back from being banged up. Um, I thought this was the best star he's played this season. Yeah, he he seems to really really be coming on uh, and playing stronger and stronger. And I had every intention last week, and I hate to kind of go back a week, but I had every intention of calling out one of his plays last week. And and hell, he should, probably should have gotten a mini game ball last week when, uh, you know, he he was on, on a on a play he was hit, helicoptered, stuck with the play, and made it and 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 tackled the the running back. That was a pretty darn impressive play. And and he didn't have a little sort of a standout play like that this week, but uh, he just he acquitted himself very very well. And uh, I think we owe him some some praise for how he has come back uh, and played well because I certainly expected Gino to take that star spot and just kind of run with it this season, and that just hasn't happened. And Jarek, when he's been you know in and out for injury, uh, he seems to really be finding himself at that position. And so you know the balance of the season, we may see him make some pretty big plays for us. He just seems comfortable. Yes, and and we don't yes. have enough. We don't have enough guys in the secondary that seem comfortable, and he seems like he's not clueless. He knows. Okay, I, I, let me take that back. Not clueless. Our other guys don't seem clueless. He he just seems like he's comfortable. Like you said, he knows his assignment. He he knows what he's supposed to do on that part of the field, and it's like one section of the secondary we don't have to worry about. You know, I think you know comfortable is the right is exactly the right way to say it. You know, that is just one word. Uh, he looks comfortable out there. That's just one phrase that, that you know, you could spend three paragraphs explaining. But if you just get what that means, and, and, and I know you do, you used it. But uh, that, that very much characterizes how he looks out there. You know, he's not as dynamic as a Landon Collins, and I would never sort of compare him to, to Landon. But those are two guys that seem very comfortable uh, in the secondary. And, and and there's others, but they just they, no one sees seems as comfortable as those two. No, absolutely. Hey, who gets your mini game ball? I'm gonna let you go first. So I don't take yours. One thing I do want to say about Landon when he was out with uh, uh, with the cramp, Tennessee put together a 15 play, 84 yard touchdown drive when he was out. I don't think they put that. I don't think they string that many plays together for that many yards with Landon in there. I just don't think so. Uh, so we need him to, 
you know, start eating uh, some more bananas, get that potassium up so he's not cramping up. Uh, give him some some water and electrolytes because uh, we need landing out there. But uh, going mini game ball, I'm going to tell you who had the quietest big day on the team, I think, is Ashawn Robinson. Uh, he combined for, uh, you know, seven tackles, uh, one, you know, shared in a tackle for loss. You know, some of those were assists. I get it. But uh, uh, I thought uh, he played a, a pretty strong game uh, on the inside there. Without uh, you know registering a sack or making a sort of a headline play, he was just plugging, and uh, that's what we need. And we needed a little bit more of that across the defensive front. But he was out there doing work, and so I'm giving a tip of the cap to Sean. Okay. Well, man, I'm going to give mine to somebody who still qualifies as a mini game ball since you created these these th- these rules and you didn't follow them. I'm going to give mine to uh, to Deshaun Hand. And I want to give it to him now before he becomes a stud and doesn't qualify for mini game ball, which is why I'm not giving it to Reggie because he's already kind of sure. Oh yeah, he's yeah. already he's graduated past there now. Yep. He only had one tackle for the day. It was a nine yard sack on the yep. second to last play of the game for Tennessee. Yep. This is the number one player in the nation last year who is not scared to come to Alabama and go play at some other school so he can start every play for his freshman year. Yep. He comes to Alabama because he relishes competition, in my opinion. And he might have been one of the players that Saban has said, I got to talk to these guys because, you know, this is not the the, the roadmap that they're used to, right? I don't sure. know if it's him, but my gosh, he's the top player in the nation and he's biding his time, and he didn't get to play many plays. But by damn, when he does come in, he makes a sack. Yep. So just, you know, kudos to him. He's going to be one of those guys that and, – and, and you Unselfish know how, son of a gun. No, I'm with you. Look, you know how this works, right? You know how this works with our fan base and, and uh, you know, people that, that we talk football with. He's going to be a guy that people forget about next year because – because we're going to sign another big recruiting class, and and there's going to be next year's Deshaun Hand. There's going to be next year's sort of, you know, shiny object that people are going to forget about him. They're going to say what school? They're they're going to say where did he come from? Yes. Right. So next year when he busts on the scene, everyone's going to say, "Oh, I forgot about him," or "Oh yeah, yeah, that guy." And uh, that's that's who Deshaun Hand is going to be. And so if you're listening to us, you're probably not going to forget about him. I'm just saying don't forget about him. Write his name somewhere and just remember, like, this dude's going to be a stud next year because he's going to be um, when he gets an increased opportunity. Who's your mini game ball, man? No, I, 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 I did it first. You made you made me go first, and, and then you chastised my pick. But uh, Oh, see, I got so wound up in mine, I forgot that. Yeah. Hey, flipped, go ahead to special teams, man. Did you enjoy seeing some punting again? Well, you know, special teams this week was kind of, eh. Um, oh, come on, man. Your guy had a 60-yarder. No, he did. He Well, and see, that's part of it. I mean, he's so routinely awesome now that <laughs> he no longer qualifies for many game balls. I'm just saying. No, well, no, look, let's put it in context, right? And so he had four punts, and he averaged 42.8 yards. And is it wrong that I look at that and say, huh, that's 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 low? 
that is low for him. And and he even had a 60 yarder to add to that. So so but he but he did pin three inside the 20. I I look, I know. I'm I'm you know I know you're being sarcastic, but he had for our listeners, he pinned three inside the 20. So so field position determined those yards in this ball game for him. That's that's what that's what hurt his stats a little but, bit. But but I'm I'm with you. I do understand that. He did he did he, you know, three in the twenty and he and he did have a long and and what and he had, you know, one uh they had one return against him for negative four yards. And so the his the way he puts it up there, you know, he's out he's he's literally not out kicking his coverage. He, that expression is used a lot. It its basis is out kicking your coverage and letting someone have a big return. Uh so that's kind of funny. But uh no, he, here's the context to me that just just is off the page. You know, he so 42.8 average, and we feel like, oh, that's really below his season. You could say, oh, that's kind of an off day for him. But if, when Cade Foster averaged, you know, what, 39 as a freshman and 40 point something as a sophomore, as, as a you know, sophomore, and he got into like 42, 43 as a junior, and that's when you and I both really said, this dude is coming along. This guy's been working with that kicking consultant. This guy is and 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 Cade had a great career. He, you know, he he ended up having a really, really good career. But JK, you know, had what had a performance that for him we think is eh, that for when it was the season average for Cade, we were high fiving. And I just I, I mean, are we super spoiled at the punter position already? I yes. don't know. I just think that just just I can't say it. That juxtaposition is very interesting. No, it no, it, it we are spoiled already just because uh, you know, this could be our first uh three years in gone pro punter that that, <laughs> that we've ever seen that that we will never see again. Hey, let's quickly talk on special teams about your boy Alfonso. Um I saved this for special teams. You know, you're you're currently not running with the ones at the guard position. You know, we make an explosive play. We get a touchdown. We line up for the extra point. Yes. You freaking move. Yes. You cause us to miss the damn extra point. Boy, that that didn't help going into the bye week for Alfonso. No, that really that really didn't. And it's one of those frustrating things that, you know, we beat him by 14. I get it. It's just that you never know when that one point is going to make a difference. You know, and I'm not picking a- off. I'm not picking on Alfonso specifically, but this is a special team segment. And once again, it's just doing the little things, and we're still not having a flawless special teams ball game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, you know, ask Ar- ask Arkansas what a one point in a PAT difference means. Uh, yes, you know, so it's it's just every time I see it, I'm like, huh, I wonder if that point's going to mean anything later. And you know, fortunately, it didn't. And you know, for Alabama, you never want it to, but you know when it does it, it can be big and so fortunately it didn't but yeah that's not that's nothing for him to you know you take a gimme and and it turns out to 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 be a miss and and and, and frankly hell that's not what we need our kicker to experience you know let's Correct. go out there and kick a gimme pat get a little bit of confidence and and so you know we don't know if 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 griffin's not you know sitting out there the rest of the day kind of second guessing himself we just you know we don't know these things and so and thank goodness we didn't have any equation altogether freaking line up right. Well, thank goodness we didn't have any field goal attempts to prove it, right? Right. 
What if he'd have needed to kick a field goal? You yeah. know, where yeah. where would that have turned out? He did have six kickoffs on the day, three touchbacks. The opening kick was our worst uh, coverage of the game. Yep. You know, they 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 called it at the goal line and returned it 33 yards, which was very frustrating. Uh, our boy Reggie Raglan decided to uh, clean up and and save the day on that play, or it could have been a lot worse. So um, I just, you know, I hope we have some some one on one coaching. You know, they use the bye week to talk about what have you done good and what do you feel like you can work on, and they ask each player that. I hope they ask all the coaches that, and I hope we ask the tight end and special teams coach what have you done so far, and what do you think you can work on from here on out. Yeah, I, I agree. We definitely need some self scouting, and um, you know we'll kind of see how that plays out. Well, this week we've got a buy, which you know we we seem to have you know almost a a, a really good perfect you know, schedule. You know, play four buy, play four buy, and then you know play four. So I like the sort of the distribution. I like you know the, the buy here. Uh, give Cam Robinson a, t- a little bit of time to to get better. Uh, give Landon Collins uh, plenty of time to just get fully over uh, his, his injury. Uh, number of players that are banged up, dinged up, uh, give them a chance because this stretch run here is just super critical. And I know we've got Western Carolina in there, but but three of the four teams that we have left to play, I mean, any of them can beat us. And uh, and and you know we've got to be ready to play. And so I'm I'm rooting for a very peaceful bye week. And uh, with a lot of rehab and a lot of recovery and uh, a lot of practice time against some of these these mobile quarterbacks, you know, I don't know if you have a thought for the bye week, but, uh, you know, kind of give us your thoughts and then carry us into your thoughts for LSU. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad the I'm glad the first team out of the bye week is LSU. I'm glad it's at LSU after they just upset Ole Miss, which I called at the beginning of the game. They would for the listeners. I knew they would beat Ole Miss. Um, I think it's great that we can put our eye on them after what they just did. So I'm glad they're our next opponent. Um, I am frustrated that Mississippi State gets a bye before they play us. I wish they had a, you know, I wish they had a gauntlet game right before us like we do. Right. Um, but I think LSU's game is, you know, I think the MO is going to be the same that they brought to Ole Miss. They fumbled the ball three times in that first half and they were down seven to three. So for the listeners that didn't get to watch the game, LSU could have put more points on them. I mean, they fumbled at the one-yard line after a 90-yard drive in the first quarter. So I really think this could have been, you know, even a different ball game than it turned out. What I take solace there is is we've got a bigger defense than Ole Miss. We've got those big linebackers that Ole Miss doesn't have. And so I think we are built for the run. So I guess I'm excited. I'm sorry. Better depth at the positions. Better, better depth in the front seven. Um, and I think that you know they're not going to run that quarterback because they know he's their only option, and they know they've got a stable of running backs that they run out there with two with two fullbacks. And so I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that we are able to that they're going to sit there and try to run the ball 30 times at us and that we can shut the run down to two and a half yards a carry and beat them that way. Yep. I agree. That's kind of what I would expect uh, uh, from them. They've got, you know, they've got the, the talent in the horses to, to run that kind of, of, of style. Uh, 
you know, they should have definitely put more points on Ole Miss. They, you know, like you said, the, the fumble. Uh, Ole Miss is not used to having to defend that, you know, that kind of style. It also keeps their offense off the field. Uh, I think they're going to try to keep it a low-scoring game, keep it close. All sort of the cliches, uh, but they're cliches for a reason. I think that's what uh, I think that's how LSU is going to try to fight us. I think that it does bode well for us having the bye week to sort of recover, and then the ability to focus on getting not only the getting healthy, but here's the things that we could have done, should have done, need to improve upon uh, against Tennessee. And we're going to play LSU, always a tough place to play. Uh, I'm glad we got to play in Knoxville, uh, before, which can be a tough place to play as well, uh, before we go to Baton Rouge. Uh, of course, you know CBS is going to schedule it as their night game, uh, and so we're going to get a kind of maximum uh, effect there. But we can also look at LSU as having knocked off Ole Miss, and so the odds of us playing Ole Miss again are very, very, very low, almost zero. But now we can go beat the team that just beat Ole Miss. That's as close to sort of that type of retribution as we're going to get. And uh, I think that's going to capture the the players' attention as well. Oh, sure. And, you know, we can't minimize the fact in this game against Tennessee because of their success with the running quarterback, they had 79 plays on offense. Yeah. And so the bye also can't come at a better time because – I wouldn't like to be going in there to a night game in Baton Rouge when I heard Les Miles is 45-4 and four at night on Saturday night after our defense had just had to go against 79 plays on offense. Agreed. Agreed. 100% agree there. What kind of prediction? I know it's, uh, it's, it's a week out, but as we sit here and kind of look over the horizon, what kind of score would you uh, predict for our LSU uh, contest? You know, I think this is going to be a close game for three quarters. Um, I, I think this game's going to frustrate us because early on, I think they're going to have some success running the ball. Um, you know, it's it's going to be something that um, I think they're going to be able to stay in the game by keeping us off the field offensively. You know, I, I, I see this as a game where late in the game, those those drives we had against Tennessee, we'll have again, and and we'll be able to to put you know to put touchdowns on the board. Um, but I see this as a I see this as a 34-24 game, and I see me being pissed off because LSU got 24 points. Okay, well I I, I wrote down 24 to 14. Uh, I don't know that they get uh, I don't know that they get up to up to 24. I think they can uh, definitely get 14. Uh, you know maybe 17, and we're looking at uh, 24, 27, kind of in that ballpark. So I think I think you know we get that extra touchdown. You know we probably get a three point lead and kind of trade touchdowns a little bit there. Uh, I think we get that that sort of separating that XL relief touchdown, like you said in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm looking at about a ten point contest. So are you? Uh, just a little dialing back the 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 over under just a little bit on the under. Well, I would definitely prefer yours because I don't want our defense to give up twenty four points. Exactly. Anything we missed? I'm sure we had, man, but we I'm sure we did, but we'll uh, we'll pick it up next time. Absolutely. Hey, hit us up on iTunes. We love the reviews. Uh, we love the engagement uh, with folks. Uh, hit iTunes, leave us uh, an authentic review, and uh, we'll cover it uh, over the air. Uh, we certainly would appreciate that. Uh, with that, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out, 
and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.